You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. How's everybody doing? You good? Let me hear you. All right. I need you. Uh, y'all don't tell them I said this, but first service was kind of dead, and I, I can't have that then during this service, okay? I need y'all this morning. I need y'all to shout me down, to preach with me, to let me know. Do, do you know that God has a word for you today? Uh, God has a word for you today. I, may, I, I could very well preach the worst sermon you ever heard, and God could still do something in your life, right? You didn't come here to hear me. You, and if you did, you, you ain't going to get nothing good, okay? You came here because you want to hear something from the Lord. And if that has that something to do with what I say this morning, I'm grateful, but just tune into his voice. And my prayer is that anointing would flow from me today from this platform and that God would just do work. Um, today, uh, grab your Bible, go to Psalm 90. Uh, go to Psalm 90. Well, that's where we've been the last couple weeks, or last three weeks. And we were actually supposed to move on today. Um, today, we were supposed to start a series called Difference Maker. Um, but just some different things happened, and we just felt led to kind of stay on this track of talking about time. And so I had a whole different message originally planned to preach today, but I'm glad God is smarter than me, and he knows things I don't know. Um, but I'm going to preach a message today that God's just been preaching me. And, and sometimes when these, these messages freak me out a little bit, okay? Um, because, like, I know what I'm saying makes sense to me. But, like, to y'all, we'll find out. Because, you, you know, like, we all learn different, right? So, like, let's hear things, things and, and you go to people and, like, you, you say something that you're excited about because God taught you and they look at you like, you, you crazy. That's kind of, ha- that could happen today. But I know I'm being obedient to the Lord. So I'm going to let him do with it whatever he wants to do with it. Psalm 90 is where we've been camping out for the last couple weeks and just to remind you that in case you you've missed the last couple weeks if you if you missed it go go to our website man listen to the podcast I've had more fun and more joy preaching the last several messages than maybe I ever have in my life God's just been using those topics in my own heart and I hope that God is using them in your life as well Psalm 90 when we think of Psalms we think of David right that's who we typically think of when we think of Psalms and we our mind automatically goes David 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 because he wrote a majority of these songs that we have in this beautiful book in the Old Testament called Psalms but the one we're reading today is not written by David it is written by another biblical powerhouse superhero Moses and so you need to know that you need to, you need to listen to that listen to these words and the backdrop of who Moses is and was and what he's experienced and now Moses when he writes this he's writing it probably in the last days of his life and he knows that like his ticket is about to be punched and he's about to leave this earth and he pins these beautiful words. And I just want to remind you of just a few of the things he said. And hit the verse has really been on my heart the last several weeks. Psalm 90. We're going to start with verse 3. Moses says, you, you turn people back to dust. Saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. Or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up, but by evening it, dry, it is dry and withered. Drop down to verse 9. It says, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Not, not the most encouraging words right off the bat, is it? 
Verse 10, our days come to 70 years or 80 years if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. And you hear a man wrestling with his own mortality. Amen. Like he's sitting back and he's, and, he, and he's looking back on his life and, and he's thinking about all the things that he's experienced. And, and man, Moses at this point had seen some crazy things. You know, just to remind you, like he grew up, he spent the first third of his life in Pharaoh's house, in, in, in the house of the most wealthy, powerful man in all the world, in the lap of luxury, raised as one of Pharaoh's own sons and had, would have had all the things that the world had to offer at his fingertips like, like nothing. But Moses knew something was missing. He knew what we fail to learn at times that there's no external thing that can fill the internal hole in our heart. And one day he's watching this Hebrew slave, this, this Israelite who had been in slavery, this whole nation that had been in slavery in Egypt for, for over four centuries, being beaten by one of the Egyptian soldiers and like he had had too much and he lost it and he gets into it with this guy and kills him. He buries him in the sand and he runs off to a foreign land and he spends the, the next third of his life with nothing before one day he's out tending his father-in-law's sheep, not even his own, and he sees a bush in the distance burning, but yet the, somehow the fire is not consuming the bush, and, and he walks over to it, and the bush begins to speak to him and says, uh, basically, I have a purpose for your life, and it's going to sound crazy. Everybody knows like a God-sized dream will always sound crazy when you first hear it. And he says, you're going to be the one, Moses, to lead my people out of those 450 years of slavery and take them from where they are to where I intend them to be. And this long journey begins and we don't have time to get into the whole story, but he leads them out of Egypt after all these plagues and he crosses the Red Sea, but then they kind of hit a roadblock and they begin to kind of get stuck for a while and wonder for about 40 years. And now Moses is on the brink of death and he's starting to reflect and what he realizes is where did the time go? Like, where did the time go? It's like, I think he's writing this. He's thinking, man, it was just yesterday. I'm standing on that hillside, and I'm talking to a burning bush. And, and I'm standing before Pharaoh and saying, hey, I know you're the most powerful person in the world, and, and I have a stuttering issue, but you got to let him go. And then he's standing on the Red Sea, and, and between him and where he needs to be is a, a, a big body of water on one side and the world's pow most powerful army on the other side. And God parts the sea, and he walks. Moses has seen incredible things. And he's just reflecting on this. And he says in verse 11, if, if only we knew. We've all said that statement at some point, right? If, if I'd only known, if I'd only known, if I'd only known. Man, things would have been different. If, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. And now don't misunderstand what, what Moses is saying here. He's not talking about fear of God. He's talking about reverence of God. He's saying, if, if I only knew who you really were, if, I only, if I'd only known, maybe if I'd have known sooner, maybe if I wouldn't have m mismanaged that first third of my life or, or just stood out, if, if I'd only known. And man... I, I see that in so many people. If you only knew how good God really is, there's no way you wouldn't give your life to him. And like if you, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not in love with God, it's because you have yet to realize who he really is. 
you have a false version maybe written up by culture or, or experience or something like that. But Moses says, if, if only we had known the power of your hand, if only we had known. And then he says this in verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. And that, that verse has just, it just hit me in the face several months ago. And it led to this series, Teach Us to Number Our Days. Because it got me thinking about this whole concept of time that, that we rarely think about until we're like Moses, until we're getting close to the end. Like when we're young, it seems like we got all the time in the world and time seems to just be this huge commodity. But the, real, the reality is time is this precious thing that we've been given. What you've spent, you will never get back. How much lies ahead of you, you have no clue. And so let's steward it well. And let's not wait till, till we're Moses' age to learn to be able to number our days. I think Moses, if he's trying to tell us, he's trying to leave us this, this thing of, like, number your days. Like, don't wait till you're at the end like I am to appreciate the time that you've been given, that time and life are the same thing. And how you leverage your time will be how you spend your life. And so in this series, man, I've been trying just to get us to lean into that subject a little bit. And think about the whole concept of time. And we've been walking through it and walking through it and walking through it. And really, I not planned to teach this message in, in, until God just hit me with it. And it's built around this one concept. I want my life to matter. I want the time that I've been given on this earth, I want to spend it and steward it well. And God hit me with this question, and I don't know if I heard it somewhere or whatever, but the question is, will you live in a way that outlives you? Will you live in a way that outlives you? Will you live in such a way that the contribution that you make to this time that God has given you, the contribution you make for his kingdom and his glory, will you live in a way that outlives you? Will you live in such a way and leverage the time that God has given you so much so that you actually make a difference that lasts long after you do? Because here's the reality. I want my life to matter. I think God has put that in our soul. And now I realize that there's probably some people in the room, and if you're in this place, grab somebody at this church and talk to them. Where you may be the voice where like, you don't care. Your life doesn't matter to you, and you don't care if it matters to anybody else. Can I just say that you are loved and you are born with purpose, on purpose, and God has a plan for your life. Don't give up on you because God has not given up on you. All my life to matter. So then we have to kind of wrestle with that question. All right, how do we live in a way that outlives us? And God's just been teaching me this. And so I'm just, can I just, can I just share from, from my heart what God's been teaching on this subject? I, ho I hope it makes sense. If it don't, read your Bible when you get home and get something from God today. <laughs> and one of the things that God's been teaching me is there's a big difference between success and significance. There is a big difference between success and significance. They are not the same thing. And I don't want to settle for being successful when I can live in a way that's significant. I don't want to settle for successful when I can live in a way that's significant. And I want to challenge you, don't settle for just being successful when God has created you for significance. And so 
I'm wrestling with that too. I'm like, well, okay, God, I, I get that. But now, all right, what does that mean? How do I unpack that? And so this is what God has been teaching me. Success can leave an impression. You can be so successful in, in, in this life that you, that you are impressive. That you impress the people that you work with, the people in your family, the people in your neighborhood. Like you can be successful in such a way that leaves an impression. But let, God's just kind of been teaching me about this whole An impression changes what people believe about you. You can live in such a way that you're successful that you leave an impression. An impression, when I say that word, what I mean is, is it changes the way people, what people believe about you. But the problem with success is success is, is fleeting and it's hard to define. Like the moment you think you're successful, success has moved. And so you hit the target of what you thought was successful, but because you were pursuing successful and successful is a moving target, what you realize is now I'm here and now success is over there. So now I have to start all over again and try to figure this whole thing out. And see, the difference between su success can leave an impression but significance will leave an impact. And the difference between an impression and an impact, an impression will change what people believe about you. But when you make an impact, you can change what people believe about themselves. <coughs> and I want to live in such a way that it changes what people believe about themselves. So how do you do that? Well, I, I believe that like success most often comes through walking through open doors, right? Success comes through walking through doors of opportunity. And we, most of us spend all the energy of our lives trying to find the next door. You following me? Let me know you're tracking with me. Y'all got to preach with me this morning so I know that I'm making sense. Like success comes through walking through doors of opportunity. And so we spend most of our lives, because we're chasing success, we fixate on the next door. And we just think, if I could just, if I could just get through the door, then I will be successful and I will feel all the fulfillment and joy and everything that I think I'm missing. But you know what we do? We wait and we wait for this door, and we even, do, we even do some shady things to get that door open every now and then. Can I just go ahead and tell you something God taught me a long time ago? If you can't do it God's way, it is never God's will. So you might can get the door open by lying to somebody. You might can get married through manipulation. You might can write a big tithe check by doing dishonest things. We're going to take it. But God's going to deal with you. <laughs> Are you following me? But see, here's what we realize. We get through the door, and we realize, I don't feel what I thought I was going to feel. Man, I worked so hard to get that door open. And I get on the other side of it. And so you know what it is? is one more door. One more door. And so we start finding ways to get through that door. And then we get through that door and we realize, one more door. One more door. One more door. One more door. And we keep climbing the ladder. And we keep experiencing. And let me just go and say, there's nothing wrong with success. I think God wants you to be successful. 
Success is a beautiful, God-given, awesome thing that he wants you to have and wants you to store it well. But success is not going to give you significance, and success is not going to fulfill you. And here's another thing you need to know about doors. Not everyone that is opened is opened by God or are you meant to walk through. See, there's some people, I hear people say, well, God opened the door. Did God open it or maybe did the devil? Because, you know, the devil opens doors too. And I hear people think, oh, well, the door was open. I should have, what? Just because the door was open, you thought that was smart enough to, a reason to walk through it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Somebody say, mm-mm. Just because the door is open doesn't mean it was opened by God and don't mean, does not mean that you're supposed to walk through it. And see, so we get so fixated on the doors. So fixated on the doors. And we keep going through and we just keep thinking, if I could get through one more door, if I could get through one more door, then I will experience the level of success that I need to fill the emptiness in my heart. But can I, can I tell you what God has told me? Yeah, that success can come through walking through doors of opportunity, but significance comes through pouring into the life of others. That success might be in the doors, but significance is in the pores. Come on. Somebody tell me that's good preaching because it's felt like good preaching all week. And I didn't... See, it's not about, it's not just about walking through doors of opportunity. It's about the willingness to pour into the lives of others. And some of us are so busy trying to find the next door, we're missing all the good pours. Thank all three of y'all for that love this morning. Because what I've found is like this is where significance comes. That, that the thing that's going to be lasting when I'm gone are the people that I've poured into. The people that I've stopped to love on and invest in and believe in and support and encourage and teach and raise and do the things that I need. That, that the only thing that really is going to All that money you make, somebody going to eventually spend it. Every car you have is going to break down. Every house you'll ever live in someday will not exist. But the people, man, the people that we're willing to pour into, that's where you find significance. That it's not in the doors, it's in the pores. But we've got to be honest about the pores as well, right? And see, sometimes it's easier to walk through the doors than to be willing to pour. Because people are weird. <laughs> people are difficult. And there's some people that will drain everything you've got. And you're going to have to have the discernment from the Lord to know when to and when to stop. And you're going to have to also recognize that you can't continue to pour out and not being, do, do, being in the relationships and the places that you need to be poured back in. Amen. And you know what I've discovered too? Some people are like a sponge. 
And man, you can pour into their lives and they just soak it up. They just absorb it. Man, you can, you can have lunch with them, breakfast with them, have a meeting with them, have a conversation with them, and you know, man, like they're just absorbing in it. They're like, they're, they are like a sponge and pouring into sponges is fun because you're just watching them absorb it and then the light's coming on and then beginning to do the things that you're actually telling them to do. But then some people are like rocks. And you can just pour and pour, and it's like the water is just washing away and washing away and washing away. And it's frustrating to just watch all that pour and just feel like it's wasted. But you know what guys taught me? With enough pours, even the hardest rock can change shape. Have you ever pulled a pebble out of a creek bed? Well, after the water has poured over it and poured over it and poured over it and poured over it and poured over it, and and what maybe was this big, jagged rock because it stayed in the water long enough, it's changed shape. But if you don't recognize the difference between the sponges and the rocks in your life, all this pouring (laughs) will become exhausting. But you know what? When you get that right balance of pouring into others, and I'm, again, don't miss I'm not saying stop walking through the doors. I'm saying don't get so fixated on the doors that you miss the pores. And you realize some of us get into the place where we think the pores are for the doors. Come on. That, oh, I'm going to pour because he, he can help me get this job. I'm a poor so I can get this thing out of them. They drive a nice car. I want to ride to work with them. They buy lunch every time we go. I'm going with him. See, like, I'm convinced that to live in a way that outlives us, it's not, a, it's not about success. It's, not about, it, it's about significance. And success will come through walking through the doors. But significance comes through the willingness to pour. And Moses knew this very well. See, now, if you look at the life of Moses, if we're just measuring it by successful, I would probably submit to you that he probably wasn't successful. Because maybe you didn't know this. Remember, remember why, why, did the, why did the bush talk to Moses? To call him to lead the nation of Israel out of where they were and take them to where God wanted them to be. But you know what's interesting? Moses never stepped foot in the promised land. And see, success is about goals, right? And if you don't hit the goal, you're not successful. And so if Moses' goal was to take the nation of Israel from Egypt and his sole purpose, his sole plan in life was to be be successful in the goal of the promised land, then he was a failure. Look at Numbers chapter 20, verse 12. It says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites you will not bring this community into the land I give them so God looks at Moses and says you know what you're not going to be the one now most of us right then we would have quit because well if I can't if I can't get what I want if I can't get through all the doors that I think I'm supposed to get through if I can't achieve the level of success that I want then I just won't do anything Tell me that's not our culture. But Moses kept doing it. And then look at, look, look at this. Go, flip on over. Flip over a few chapters to Numbers chapter 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up on this mountain, and Abram 
in the Abram range and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. Now, it seems like God kind of mean. Because you just see what happened? He says, all right, Moses, here we go. I'm going to take you up on this mountain, and I'm going to let you see the promised land, but you're never going to get there. And like, again, if that's us, like, what? Do you know what I put up with for the last 40 years, God? These people are crazy. And I put up with their complaining and their whining and all this struggle and all this te- set up and tear down. Set, oh, it feels familiar. Set up and tear down. Set up and tear down. And you're not going to let me, you're going to let me. And then he does it like, you can see it, but you can't step foot in it. In other words, you know what God just did? He shut the door. And now if Moses was just about walking through the doors, and he was just about success, right then he just said, okay, just let me die. I don't care. Good luck. He should have went down to the people and like, I ain't going. Good luck, y'all. I'm going to hang out on the mountain. But I want you to notice what Moses says next. Verse 15. Numbers chapter 27, verse 15. So God has just said, Moses, you can see it, but you can't step foot in it. That door is now closed. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over the community to go out and come in before them who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Moses was so much a better man than me. He says, you can see it, but you can't step in. He says, well, Lord, somebody's got to lead these people. Lord, appoint somebody who will take them where I couldn't. And so most of us are like, well, if I can't go, none of them should go. But Moses says, God, if I can't go, if my time is up, find somebody who can do what I can't. Find somebody who will do a better job than I've done. That's how you live in a way that outlives you. God, find somebody who will live it better than I've lived it. Find somebody who will do it better, who will still with it better. Find somebody who's, who's more talented, more capable, more powerful to take what I've, ta- I've taken this far and lead it to the next level. And then look what he says. See, the good thing is Moses had been doing the things that he needed to do to make what would happen next possible. See, Moses didn't just stop focusing on the doors then. All along the way, Moses had been walking through the doors, but he's also had the willingness to pour into a young man named Joshua. Exodus 27, 18. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Then verse 20, give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. So again, not only is, is God saying, you can see it, but you can't step foot in it. And now what I want you to do is go to that guy, that little that kid that's been walking around with you all this time, that kid. And if you read through the, through the whole story of this whole 
journey. All along the way, Moses has allowed Joshua to be right beside him. Like Moses hasn't gone through anything of significance in this journey without allowing Joshua to be involved. He's brought him along. He has been pouring into Joshua all along the way. So at this, when this moment came, Joshua would be ready. That Moses during this journey, yeah, he was walking through the doors of opportunity as God led and as he went through all these different issues with Pharaoh and as he was dealing with issues with food and all these other kind of things. But he never got so focused on the doors, he forgot about the pours. And now a young man stands ready to take the baton of leadership and do great things. And God says to him, go give him some of your, now again, we're thinking, really? See, most of us are like, no, uh-uh, if I, if I ain't going, I'm burning this thing down, God. We are not going. God says, go, go give him some of your authority. Go give him some of your authority so that he will be able to lead. And then Moses goes, they have an, an anointing time and celebration and Joshua would take the baton of leadership from Moses. And he was in that position and he was ready because Moses got significance and understood all along the way that it wasn't just about the doors, it was about the pours. And now Joshua would lead them to the promised land. As you pick up with the story, you see it wasn't easy. There was still a lot of hurdles, but he was ready. Why? Because Moses had the willingness pour into him. And that was his legacy. See, I'm convinced that legacy will not be found in what you've done, but instead who you've helped develop. I'll say that again. Lasting legacy will not be found in what you've done, but in who you've helped develop. And because, Josh, because Moses took the time to pour into Joshua, a leader was ready at hand to do something powerful. I want my life to matter. I want to live in a way that outlives me. And I've just discovered that chasing success is not going to do it. Yeah, it's awesome. It will do really cool things in your life. But significance is where it's at. And significance does not come through walking through the doors. It comes through the willingness to pour. Who are you pouring into? Who are you pouring into? Are you too busy staring at the doors? You're missing the opportunities to pour. If you're, so, if you're too busy trying to make the next dollar, trying to get the next promotion, or trying to do whatever it is you're trying to do, that you're overlooking the people that God has strategically put in your circle of influence to pour into, and you're missing out on the most significant blessing of your life. When are we going to... Can we please stop complaining about the generation that we're responsible for? I'm going to let that soak in for a minute. We're complaining about the perspectives and all the issues that we see in a generation to under us, but we raised them. We did or did not pour into them. And if we wanted to change, then maybe we need to start pouring a little bit better. That's good preaching. I'm sorry. Because I want you to notice something. In Judges chapter 2, now we fast forward and we come to the end of Joshua's life. 
And I just want you to look at what it says about Joshua. In Judges chapter 2, starting with verse 8, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance. Drop down to verse 10. After that, a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. When Moses is dying, Joshua stands there ready to take the baton because he had poured into him. When Joshua dies, there's no record of anybody. See, Moses poured into Joshua, but maybe somewhere along the way, Joshua failed to do what Moses had done for him. Church, we will not be that generation. Can we just stake that in the ground today? and say, we will not be that generation. Because we're all sitting here, I'm standing here, because the two most godly people I know, Tommy and Joanne Smith, my parents, poured into me, and poured into me, and poured into me, and I'm up here as your pastor because of their pouring into me. And I would guess you have a similar story. So you're going to be Moses or you're going to be Joshua? Will you live in a way that outlives you? Would you stand with me? Bow your heads, close your eyes as you're standing. Will you wrestle with that question for just a minute? Will I live in a way that outlives me? If you're going to, it's going to mean that you're pouring in to the people that God is surrounding you with. So this is what I'm going to pray right now, that God would just begin to put people in your mind. Maybe the pouring starts right in your own home. Your children, parents, your children need you to pour into them. Business owners, your employees need you to pour into them. Teachers, you get to pour into students this week. I know that's going to be difficult, but you do. Like there are people in your life and God has ordained and appointed you to be the one who pours. So can we be challenged to start pouring and live out our calling? Father, I pray that right now as we worship you and as we sing this song, that God, that you would bring up into our hearts and minds the right people that we need to be pouring into. May we see their images, may we see their faces, may we hear their voices in our mind. And God, the people that we're ignoring, the people that we are struggling to pour into, God, I pray that you would just help us, God. And God, I know there are people in this, in this room this morning that, that have poured out and poured out and poured out, and God, they're just empty. And I pray that you would help us to have the right regiment and the right discipline to make sure that we're not running on empty so that we have something to offer, so that we can pour into others. And may we build the relationships and do the things that we need to do so that we're getting poured into as well so that we have something beautiful and powerful to pour into others, God. And God, I pray that today would be a day that we just feel more pa passionate about the mission of pouring into others. This church exists to inspire people to live in love like Jesus. If we're going to inspire people, it has to be about people and pouring in to those that you put in our lives. And God, I pray that we would just be challenged today as we worship you to pour where you're calling us to pour and leverage our lives in a way that outlives us. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.